Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Today we tee up another golf show for you. True, we may swing and miss, but Chuck and I aim to sink a hole in one at every hole. So let's be fair, if we do, you are not going to want to miss this now, are you? No, you are not. Especially when you hear that we're talking Ryder Cup golf, the biggest thing in the golfing universe by far, and knocking it straight down the fairway will be our very own sports mad professor, Eric Goff, who'll be putting the course under close scrutiny and pulling out some hidden science for your review. Yes, and once we have seen if science can explain how to conquer the albatross at La National, we will be crawling inside of the brain of a Ryder Cup golfer. Of course, all of that with the help of performance psychologist Dr. Greg Steenberg. So So clean clean your balls! You and I, well, we're coming out swinging. (laughs) So joining us first is physics professor Eric Goff. It's good to have you back, professor. How are you? I'm doing great. And Chuck, I grew up and heard plenty of golf ball jokes, so uh, I'm anxious for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, you know, everybody who's familiar with this show knows that Professor Eric Goff is from Lynchburg University in Virginia and the author of Gold Medal Physics, so... Which we do believe was a a stocking stuffer. It was. Last Christmas. Last Christmas, that's right. And it will be again this Christmas because it's still in print, people. Absolutely. Yes, it is. So let's start, shall we, Professor? Can you give us an overall idea of the kind of course the Ryder Cup players are going to be faced with this time round? So uh, this golf course has a mixture of meadow and bent grass greens. And these are a little softer than the Bermuda greens that maybe some of us here in the warmer parts of the U.S. play on. Hmm. Um, so the the golf course, the fairways have a mixture of the bent and the rye and the fescue grasses. So these types of grasses are a little bit more helpful and when the climate's a little cooler. Uh, if you tried to use these grasses down around the beach areas or in the uh, hotter parts of the U.S., they would require a lot of water, a lot of care in taking care of the golf courses. So they're expensive. Uh, so the Bermuda glasses, grass is what you see when you're in the hotter parts in the U.S. 
By the way, Bermuda grass just sounds like something I want to smoke so bad. The interesting thing there is, Professor, with certain species of grass, it's rougher, it's smoother. It would then cause more friction unless it's cut very, very short. That's right. And you, you got to love something like bent grass. I mean, bent grass, this is, uh, you know, it's pure science. This, this is hybrid grass, hybrid materials, synthetics. These are really used in the putting surfaces. Um, something like rye grass, these grow better in the cold. Uh, you put the fes fescue grass near the green. Um, so, I mean, these, these science has really taken over the links and really improved the, the types of play that you can get on the golf course. Gosh, I tell you, Professor Eric Goff, there is nothing this guy does not know. He's the groundskeeper Willie of science. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we, we here at the, at the University of uh, Lynchburg uh, have a lot of good students who help me with some of these things. And I got uh, Carter Olds, one of my students, he's a golf player on the team here so we we had a lot of fun breaking this course down so right. this course is basically designed to be a pain in the tuckus for the for the players right is that the whole idea behind designing a course like this especially with all these different types of grass which will i would assume affect the play of the ball that's why you want these different type of grasses and so is this to make it so that you know you're just throwing your clubs into the water is that the idea well, I think the the biggest issue for the players is going to be when they drive off the tees. Um, the fairways are, are quite sloped. Uh, they're going to have to deal with some pretty difficult lies in the fairways. And sometimes they'll have the ball either a little bit above or below their feet when they're hitting their second shot. Um, if they're firm, the ball should come to rest in a fairly flat spot. Um, they're pretty average width, but you get a lot of the fairways that slope away from the center and towards the rough so they're going to appear a little bit narrower than they than they really, you know, they're going to appear a little wider than they really are because if you miss a little left or right of uh, center, you may have a chance of the ball rolling in the rough. Hmm. See, so it, it then becomes target golf, does it not? Because you're looking at a particular spot on a fairway or a particular spot on the green, and then you're then I'm starting to ask myself. What kind of course does this suit? Does it suit the power hitters, the guy who drives it forever? Or is this the guy who's got a short game and can chip and putt and do all the little soft... Finesse. Finesse, yes, yeah. Professor. Well, who's that, it going to suit? That's interesting you say that because the, the HNA Open to France has been played at this golf course the last you know several Julys. And the typical driving distance for the winner has been only around in the 290-yard range. So the... Players that we've got on our team, you know, the Dustin Jostens, the uh, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Bubba Watson. I mean, these players are driving over 310 yards on average. So they might have a tendency to want to drop that down a little bit on this course. They're going to have to kind of bridle themselves, take a little off the swing in order to play this course instead of just driving through and being a power hitter, huh? That's right. They might even want to try, you know, one of Tiger Woods' famous stingers, you know, the the, the two hour two iron low trajectory shot where you keep the ball really low on the fairway, and when it bounces, you get a lot of uh, roll. After a lot of that forward bounce. motion bounce. Yeah. Hey, speaking of teams, uh, can you break that down? Because this is the way this is played, right? This is not like regular golf. This is the USA versus Europe, and they actually pick teams, and there's a captain and the whole deal, right? Yeah. 
Uh, that's right. I mean, they're going to be end up what thirteen players on the team. You're going to have uh, Jim Furyk, I believe, is our captain, and we've already picked uh, eight players to play. And I believe Tiger Woods and uh, Steve Stricker were picked uh, sometime la- uh, earlier this year, I think in February. So they're going to be picking a couple more, maybe four more, before the. Uh, play starts at the end of September. Uh, the players we have on our team are significantly more accomplished. Um, I will say that the younger, uh, the rookies you're going to see on the European team, they actually, looking up the stats, have slightly better driving percentages. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether the Europeans are going to be able to keep the ball in the fairway a little bit better or whether these much more experienced and more accomplished players on the U.S. side are going to be able to use that experience to their advantage. Hmm. Speaking of keeping the ball in the fairway, mm-hmm. can you break down from a physics standpoint the mechanics of hitting a ball straight with a golf club? What is necessary to do that, and what makes one slice left or right? Well, what makes it slice left or right is if I hit it. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna hit it straight down the fairway, uh, you don't want to be filming me hitting a golf ball. But I'll tell you what, from the physics point of view, uh, you're gonna be using a you know a, say a you know your driver is gonna be very flat on the front face, and it's gonna have very little on the groove action, and the ball's gonna be driven with a low trajectory, so only like 10 to 20 degrees uh, off the horizontal. But the spin imparted to the ball, it's going to have some backspin. And if you're aiming for the ball to have a low trajectory, that backspin may only have something like, you know, 2,000 or 3,000 RPMs on the ball. Now, just to put that into a little uh, context, you know, the football, it's a nice spiral that's thrown on Sundays coming up soon here. You're going to have about 600 RPMs. So these balls are spinning maybe four or five times faster uh, than a football. You know, a helicopter blades, maybe uh, you're going to be spinning the golf ball about six or seven times faster than helicopter blades. So wow. even just a normal shot's going to have a lot of spin. And what's amazing about the golf athletes today, they didn't just take, you know, Tiger Woods and think, oh, I got to have to bulk up and get strength. They are really improving their flexibility. You know, a lot of these uh, athletes are going into yoga classes. They're doing stretching every day. And the reason is when you go to drive that ball off the tee for distance, and I'm talking, you know, 310-plus yard averages, you need to get that, that club back very far and store a great deal of potential energy in your tendons that are stretched, pulling your arms up. And the wrists are even going to start turning. I mean, you watch Dustin Johnson hit a golf ball. I mean, his wrists are really cracked at the top of his swing, and he's storing a lot of energy. So when you come through and strike that ball, you want to deliver that club head, which is going to be coming into that ball at uh, – you want to guess the club head speeds? Okay, that's a good that's a good guess. Let me say we can, but we're probably going to be nowhere uh, yeah, near accurate. Let me just think. I'm just trying to get it in my mind because you can't even see it when the guys swing it. So I'm going to say 220 miles an hour. Um, actually, it's a little bit lower than that. It's more like 
on average about 120 miles an hour. Oh, crap. Road. I'm so far off. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, like, but, he's like, it's a little bit lower than that. In other words, Chuck, in another city. <laughs> no, you were you were good on the kilometer per hour, I guess. But, there you go. That's uh, what it is. Way to clean it up for me. I meant 220 kilometers. <laughs> so if you want to look at the ball speed coming off, the ball's going to be springing off. You know, you got this smash factor that's going to be bigger than one where you take the ball speed over the club head speed. And for a really top flight golfer, you know, this is going to be about a one and a half factor. So they can get speeds upwards in the 185 mile an hour range. Um, average speeds tend to be around 180 mile an hour coming off the, uh, the driver. And to put that into a little bit of context, I mean, uh, we had a Indy 500 race this year that was running. The winning time was about three hours, I think. So you're looking at about 167 mile an hour average in an Indy car, and this golf ball is going to just fly right past it. Not bad. Puts it into context. That's kind of cool, man. That's that's really kind of cool. Hey, let me ask you this: so when you go back in time, right, and you take these old, like they used to call them woods, because it was actually wood. Yes. Okay. What kind of speed would a ball get then? I mean, what, what's the difference in play now between like, like back a, then? Like a wooden tennis racket. Like and a wooden tennis racket and a, and a carbon fiber yeah. uh, tennis racket. What's the difference between like these composite clubs or drivers that they're using now uh, and like the old real woods back in the day? Well, the materials now are so much better and the the clubs are actually made much more aerodynamic. In fact... You look at some of the, the new technology, I'm thinking about like the, the Ping G30 uh, driver, they now have these turbulators on them. So when we talked about uh, soccer balls before, or if we talk about golf balls with the dimples, uh, you start roughening up the surface of a ball and you can actually reduce the air drag on it. And they've done this with golf club heads. They, they will put some kind of roughening around the head of the golf club so that when it comes down toward the ball, it's uh, actually past the what Chuck loves is the drag crisis. You can actually move it past laminar flow into turbulent flow and with these turbulators. And there's some really neat uh, online images that Ping has made from wind tunnels that show this. So this technology just dwarfs anything that happened back with the woods. I mean, you know, they, they were not driving anywhere close to, you know, a ball off the tee at 180 miles an hour. I mean, you're looking at maybe two-thirds of that speed. Turbulator, when, honey, that's what they call me when I'm wearing my thigh-high heels. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you, had, to, you had to mention drag crisis, oh. Professor. He's off. <laughs> we may not get him back for about another hour. <laughs> the thing is, when, you're, when you've got this sort of velocity from club face to ball is the ball going through any through any deformation or does it retain its shape as it's as it's moving oh there's a good reason you call it a smash factor the 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 golf ball itself gets smashed considerably if you look at high speed uh, video that's taken of these collisions that golf ball gets smushed up against the club face when it is hit and then there's a springiness that will come back out so when you stored like in a spring you've stored a bunch of energy into that ball's compression and when it bounces back off like a trampoline that's why you can get the ball bouncing off at a speed greater than the club head speed wow that is what sort of time frame are we talking about that for a ball getting smashed and then returning to its original shape? 
And how much compression are you seeing there? How much deformation are you seeing? Are you, I mean, uh, I would say percentage-wise. Can you give us like, so, so think, think it, of the ball as a perfect sphere. What would it kind of end up looking like when it, when it com- makes contact? I mean, it will look like you've got a uh, half, you know, a hemisphere on the ball with the bottom's a hemisphere that's smushed against the ball. I mean, it will look like, you know, the, the, the top of a, of a bald head or something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just completely smashed. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, you know, the dimples and stuff, all those things will spread out. It, it, it's quite a violent collision. And if you hold a golf ball in your hand and try to squeeze it, no chance. Nothing. Get it. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. 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 But you can, with just with the use of a golf club, basically take that golf ball out. Nice. I can and see you. I can see you playing golf with a picture of someone on a golf ball. Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to see this in high speed uh, slow mo like that. I I can't believe I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> like the actual thing, high speed slow motion. So let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, more from our super sports mad professor Eric Goff, analyzing the Ryder Cup course for 2018. So don't go away. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block tax pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. 
Visit nintendo.com slash US slash Switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Welcome back to Playing With Science. This, of course, is our 2018 Ryder Cup special. And for your pleasure, we have sports mad professor Eric Goff analysing this year's Ryder Cup course and the physics and science that lie within. Going back to the course itself, Professor, what I've seen is it's it's built a little bit like a Lynx course with lots of undulations and little areas where you can get trapped. And I think the final four or five holes have an awful lot of water around them. And, I, and I'm guessing that's probably yeah. where the excitement will take place for the fans. Yeah, there's what's the hole? There's one hole that actually has just a little island. It's actually surrounded by water with a little bridge to walk over it. Tell me there's sharks in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the 18th hole has certainly got a lot of water around it, um, you know, that, that final hole. Um, but, yeah, you, you have a lot of water traps in these uh, in the links. The entire course itself was definitely built with a links course in mind. It's got kind of a uh, almost a stadium feel where the edges of the golf course are built up a little bit. And you definitely have a lot of undulation. you got these different types of grasses that are in the rough. Um, the intermediate rough that's right off the fairways is only about uh, two inches tall, uh, but the greens, uh, when you get near the greens, some of that rough gets a little less than four inches tall. So the, the, the play near the greens is going to be really interesting because you know, you're going to have to be very accurate when you're driving down the, the course off the tee, and then it, it's that second shot, you know, that lead up to the tee where the green is, it's going to be really important to see uh, where the players decide to play it, because there are some of these holes that, you know, if, if you just miss a little short, you're going to be in the water. Uh, if you play the spin wrong, you're going to be rolling back into some pretty tall grass. So uh, those lead up shots to the, the greens are going to be critical. So we talked to you once about baseball and humidity yes and baseball and in the rain and how so how does that play when it comes to golf like humidity cool weather and wet like actual a wet atmosphere or actual precipitation what does that do to the golf ball so humidity is it's, it's counterintuitive but it actually lowers the uh the mass density of the air uh the ball can actually fly a little bit farther in humid air compared to cold air cold dry air so the you know the baseballs in an october world series where it's cold don't fly quite as far as maybe in july or august when you know it's it's steaming hot summer and humid uh, the players, however, are going to notice a difference if it's humid. So there's going to be a physiological effect as well. Um, but one thing to note on a lot of the holes for this particular course, you don't have a lot of uh, tree cover. And that leads to some wind conditions. And if you've watched some of the, the highlights from, the, uh, from that HNA Open to France that's played in July, I mean, you could see the wind blowing and whipping the, the rough and the grass and even hear it on some of the, the course mics. You could hear the wind blowing. And how does crosswind – okay, so we have the Magnus effect. Is yep. the Which, you know, you can explain what the Magnus effect is so that I don't look stupid when I explain it. Uh, but – can you talk about wind shear against the Magnus effect? And so, one, so after you explain the Magnus effect, yeah. can you talk about wind shear against the Magnus effect? What does that do? 
So when the golf ball is hit off the tee, uh, or even you know if you're trying to lay up a, a perfect shot onto the green, and you're going to slice the golf club down on the ball and try to induce a lot of backspin, uh, that backspin is going to create a, a it's going to have an upward component of a force that we you know refer to as the Magnus effect, the Magnus force. When you have wind blowing over the ball, then, of course, that's going to be pushing the ball, perhaps. You know, if you have a crosswind, it's going to be pushing it sideways. So you're going to have the uh, effect like, you know, you stick your hand out the window of a car and you could feel the wind pushing your hand back. I mean, it's going to be an added push on the ball. It's going to be uh, in the direction of the wind. So the players are definitely going to have to take note of, you know, the wind and, and which of the holes are going to be covered with the trees and which ones are not. And can you render the wind ineffective like for instance when you watch football on a windy day in the stadium right you'll see quarterbacks they're like oh he's throwing hard like he's throwing hard because it's windy and he doesn't want the flight path of the ball to be affected by the fact that it's windy so the wind really has no effect on 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 the pass can you do that with a golf ball and and the wind well, certainly if the players notice that they've got a headwind, I mean, if the, if the wind's blowing right at them, they may try a little extra oomph on those uh, tee shots. They may try to get uh, a little more on the ball, knowing that they're going to meet up with a little bit of extra air resistance. If they feel a tailwind, uh, they're going to be a little bit more careful. They don't want to overdrive the the shot, try to you know keep it in the middle of the fairway. So, th- I mean, they're definitely noticing the wind when they get you know, to a, the tee at a given hole. And they're certainly going to notice if they have a crosswind, they're going to have to play a little bit left or right to compensate for that crosswind. This game is so hard. Why would anybody play it? I just don't understand. <laughs> Thinking about that, Professor, if you've got an exposed area, as it's with no tree lines, would it be better to keep the shots lower rather than to belt them up into the sky where it's likely to be more windy? Sure. If you can play the ball low, then you know you're going to keep this the, the the drive a lot closer to the ground. And when you get that nice bounce, uh, you're going to get a pretty good roll. Now, the wind, of course, when they're going to be playing toward the the putting greens, that's going to be critical because if they really want the ball to you know to drop without a lot of uh, roll, they may play for a loftier shot. So you know they may get a pitching wedge or, you know, a club hmm. like that where they're going to get a lot of loft and a lot of spin. And, you know, some of these greens are, are pretty slick. I mean, the, the, the greens at this particular golf course, uh, they, they came in at 10 feet, six inches using that step meter. And that is a fairly fast green for a pro. So, uh, if they're going to be wanting to avoid a long roll on the ball, they may have to play it up into the wind a little bit. Extra because you 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 remember the sky hook? Yes, remember Dodger Bar? That's right. And it comes yeah. down vertically That's because right. he's he's creating a larger target. Right. So if you to if you would have just hit it low, the chance of as a professor saying, hitting the green and scooting off or overshooting is there. But if you go for the elevated shot and drop it down, let it drop on the green. You're gonna put yourself in a position where you're fighting a crosswind. Right. So it just wow. depends. And this is how. I mean, what sort of calculations are a player's going to go through to work this out? You know what they need? They need the professor on the side right there instead of a caddy just working out the calculations for what the what arc they need to put on the ball. Imagine in order the to... caddy sitting there with a calculator and a slide rule and all sorts of different things just to try and get them a chance of a decent shot. I have a feeling if I start yapping Magnus Effect, I'm going to have a five iron up the side of my head. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 
Well, it depends gonna, if you say it in French or not. <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to be uh, focused on you know some of those dog legs that they're going to see. I mean, you got a lot of these uh, links that are not going to be straight. They're going to have to play into a left or right uh, turn when they get about two thirds of the way down the the hole. So, I mean, they're going to have to be very careful where they lay up that first shot and playing for that second. Um, I mean, I, I look at the course and uh, you know look at all the holes and the, the and it looks like. What I was able to determine, holes four and seventeen, I would say, are probably the the toughest on the the, the course. I'm just thinking of from a physics point of view. I mean, the the fourth hole has a kind of a right to left jog in it. It's 486 yards. Um, you, you you're going to have all this uh, undulation that's in the in the uh, putting green. You're going to have the grass to contend with you've got some traps uh you get down into a hole like 17 and you're looking at a par four that's a pretty long 480 yards and it's got a very very steep drop off if you miss the green in one particular spot so it's a very creative hole um if you're a little bit wide you could get in some pretty tall grass uh you get a little bit left you're going to find yourself down in this hole so um it's got some interesting challenges in it that I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Mm, cool. I'm looking is, forward to hearing a lot of curse words Professor, on 17. Once again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I never fail to be impressed with your range of sporting knowledge. Yeah, man. Amazing. So we'll take another break. And coming up next, we'll be chatting with performance psychologist Dr. Greg Steenberg and crawling, as I said at the top of the show, inside the mind of a Ryder Cup superstar. You know what shouldn't feel like rugged science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship, from a ride on Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential and through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber 
not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back to Playing With Science, and today, as you are well aware, we are focusing on golf, and in particular, the 2018 Ryder Cup, which will take place at the delightfully named golf course, Chuck, called the Albatross, at Le National, yes. just southwest of Paris, <laughs> around in around my neck. Yes, yes. It just right. So, to help us with the psychology of golf, and there's nothing goes on in the body without the brain first letting the body know what to do, we have Dr. Greg Steinberg. Now... This might take a second or two, so bear with me. Hailed by Golf Digest as one of the world's best performance psychologists. Okay. That's good. That's a good thing. Author of The Mental Rules of Golf. Oh. Yes. Weekly guest on the talk of the tour on the PGA Tour radio network on Sirius XM. Yes, we like them. They're nice. And he writes a weekly mental game column. Very nice. Yes, on that on the PGATour.com. So that's the brief outline of Dr. Greg Steinberg. Greg, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. When you when you look at something like the Ryder Cup and you and you look at the players, what do you think is the most important thing to do mentally to prepare for and play in a tournament such as this? Well, uh, most of the players will tell you that the the Ryder Cup is the the most pressure packed situation there is all uh, the two years that they play it every two years, uh, even more than a major. And you're thinking, how could that be? because they're not winning money. Uh, they're ultimately running the trophy. But I think it's because they're playing in a team event and they know if they don't play well, they're going to not only let down their country, they're going to let down their teammates. And so the preparation has to uh, come with this. And that is knowing that you're going to feel immense pressure and knowing you're going to play on a team. And so the mental, uh, let's say mental preparation is a little bit different than the other tournaments. So how do you get a guy who's all about him or her putting the ball in the hole 18 times and walking off and with a nice big fat check to focus on it's not about me, it's about us? And, and, and I think, one, of course, it comes with experience. So the players that have played in a bunch of Ryder Cups, like a Phil Mickelson or Sergio Garcia, they're used to this pressure. They're used to playing on a team event. They're used to playing – in uh, for their country. I think uh, the best strategy is the players that have not played on the Ryder Cup very often, or it's their rookie year, like Bryson DeChambeau, they have to ask guys like Phil Mickelson and Tiger, you know, how do I deal with this pressure? How is this pressure different from tournaments? And how have you done it? So the rookies and the young guys, they have to ask the experienced guys how they have done it before. Speaking of experience, you talk about emotional toughness and, and some of the, uh, the talks that you have online. And 
Uh, can you explain the concept of emotional toughness and maybe give us a little peek into how that might apply to golf and particularly the Ryder Cup? Well, you know, people always say, and they use this term mental toughness, but through my experiences working with professional athletes and collegiate athletes and young athletes, is that it's not about the mental toughness, it's about the emotions. When you master your emotions, you master your world. And so when you have control over your fears, when you have control over your confidence, when you have control over your anxiety, then you have control over your game. And, and I always tell players, even if you think the right thoughts, if you don't have the right emotions, you're still going to choke. So the secret is you got to really focus on the emotions out there. And how you do that is this. You have to recall times when you played your best and what emotions you had at those moments and then try to replicate those emotions. Because some people, when they play their best, they're nervous. Other people are calm. But the secret is figure out what makes you tick and then move in that direction with your emotions. So what work will you do with a golfer in particular? Because I know you work with a, a range of athletes and elite businessmen and women. So if I'm someone who thinks they work well with a little bit of nervous edge in my mind, but actually it's not the right solution for me. How do you work out which is for a golfer? Well, the, the right answer and the right solution is this. You recall, let's say, three or four times where you were in the flow or the zone and figure out your intensity level for that, for those three or four times. So let's say you discovered um, for you, and let's, let's take a scale of 10. 10 is totally amped. Zero is totally flat. For you, you have to be at an eight. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've looked at this three or four times. And every time you're at the zone, you're at an eight. Now you got to figure out images, actions, and words to put you at an eight. Like for me, I need to be at a three. So I got to get to figure out how to stay calm. I have to figure out images to make me calmer and words. So what I call their primers. Primers are words, actions, and images which push our emotions in the right direction. So first you got to figure out where you need to go. That's awareness. And then figure out how to get there. Now suppose you're a person who really doesn't have very good measured responses and you start thinking of primers <laughs> and they send you like all over the edge then you got to think of another primer to bring it back down now all of a sudden i'm like an emotional junkie i need my uppers to get me up i need my downers to get me down i don't know where i am or what i'm doing help me dr greg help me how did well, i know it was going client, there I'd fire you <laughs> he said if i was his client he fired me because he doesn't need a caddy does you're he? way over the edge right um you know, the idea is that, yes, it, it's really a trial and error. You know, sometimes words and actions, you think they're going to put you in the right emotional state and they don't. So it's more of a trial and error, you know, figure out what words really work mm -hmm. and then move in that direction. So now let me ask you this, just following up on that. I mean, I was joking a little bit. I was really talking about me, so I wasn't joking. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but. Okay, are, is this something that works for just these elite players because they're so close in their skill sets already that these small tweaks to their emotional state puts them in a much better or a much more advantageous position? Or will this help the guy on the weekend who's out on the yeah. links with his buddies having beer? Is it going to help that guy? Yeah, I mean, it helps everybody. But, of course, if you are, let's say, a beginner – and you are uh, focusing on the mechanics and you got to work on the mechanics, it's hard to focus on the mental game. But the way, and the emotional game, the way I put it is this, 
golf is 100% mental and emotional and 100% physical. They're totally tied with one another. And what most people do is they only work on the physical. So they're only working like with one hand. But if you work on the mental and emotional, you're working with both hands. And, and, and the biggest problem is people don't know what to work on. Um, and, and to give the listeners probably the best advice is that everybody's unique. You got to figure out what makes you play your best. Even if you're a beginner or a weekend player, you still have played really well at certain times. And you got to really do some soul searching and figure out why you played your best those days and then move in the right direction. Okay, Greg. So, for instance, if I make an analogy to track and field, if I've got a 100 meter race, a 200 meter race, I'm on the B of the bang, I hit the finish line. That's all I've got to think about. If I'm playing Ryder Cup golf, I've got a crowd half of whom probably hate my guts. And I've got 18 holes, and I've got to get up, get in the right place, or dial myself down 18 times, plus from tee to green every single time. So the capacity for it to go completely wrong gets, well, I don't know what the factor is, probably minimum of 18. Well, if you're worrying about the crowd and whether they hate you, you're in trouble already, let me tell you that right now. Uh, you know, of course, if you if you let the crowd bother you, uh, I can say you're done for. But, you know, the idea is that a pre-show routine uh, puts you in the right emotional state. It's like a bubble that goes around you. So the idea is the crowd's creating all this noise and people are screaming. And as you're walking near the ball, you might hear that. But as soon as you start your pre-show routine, and this is what I work on with every golfer I work on, you have to get a pre-show routine that's bulletproof. And it basically, the idea is it creates a bubble around you. So all the thoughts and emotions that or people or crowd noise bounces right off. And the stronger your pre-show routine, the better you're going to play. Isn't that Kevin Costner in the Tin Cup? <laughs> yeah, basically, right. basically yes, yeah. It release, is. release the mechanism. Release, there you yeah. go. So this is this is what you actually do with golfers. Yeah, some of them. I mean, uh, I do with everybody, but what mm. I'm saying it's it's some of what I do. And the idea is that an amazing pre-show routine puts you into a reactive state, gets you calm, and creates rhythm. So the idea is that when you're in this right emotional state, then you're going to basically play your best. But if you're thinking quick and you're thinking negative, it's going to it's going to feed into your swing. And that's when you play your worst. So that's why a pre-show routine is not just waggling it three times and doing some physical things every time. It's actually creating the right mental, emotional state before you hit your shot. So does that actually translate to outside influences? I know Gary said the crowd hates me, right? And I understand when you say if the crowd is bothering you, you're done already yeah but let's just say for instance uh and this doesn't really happen in golf as much but let's just say for instance somebody kind of really sticks it in my craw like they do they do something and they just really get me upset and i'm not really upset with myself or my game or how i'm playing i'm actually upset with someone else so how do you recover from something like that? Or do you just go through your process until you reach the eight or the three or the wherever you're supposed to be? Well, if, if your playing partners are bothering you, yes, uh, that's when you need to see a sports psychologist. Oh, <laughs> really? They, they can't. Uh, if they're bothering you, you're in trouble because they're going to do stuff to try to bother you. And if you, if you <laughs> let them bother you, then you're not bulletproof. And yes... The idea is that if there's some gamesmanship going on 
and they get to you, they're winning. So what you have to do is just allow them to do their thing and and be prepared for that. You know, that's the the preparation we talk about with the Ryder Cup. You got to be prepared for the loud crowd noises, people screaming, cussing you out, um, people with uh, doing gamesmanship, uh, and all this stuff going on. If you're ready for that emotionally, then it's just going to brush right off. But if you're not ready for that, that's when you get real nervous, and that's when you choke. Okay. What is the worst slash best dirty trick you've heard of on the Ryder Cup? Because you will know. You're the, you're the sort of guy that will be privy to that kind of knowledge. So please share with us. Well, you know, I, I've, I've heard this before with a few people. They might move a little bit when the person's hitting the shot or making a, a little noise. But but most of the players are, are pretty cordial. Um, there's not too much gamesmanship. What's really going on is the crowds are siding with uh, you know, a team and, and they're creating more of the havoc versus the players. Cause you know, the players, even let's say a Sergio Garcia that's been playing forever on the Ryder cup, he plays in America and his friends are on the American team. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like us versus them per se, only for that week. But in reality, it's, it's more of a, a it's a great team rival. So it's a, it's a friendly rivalry. A friendly rivalry, kind of, yeah. Right, a like, friendly rivalry. Last Ryder Cup was 2016, post the tournament, which the US won, just uh, so as a European is saying that, right. by the way, yep. Uh, you said Phil Mickelson was your main man, your standout guy. Why? What made him so important to you watching that whole Ryder Cup? Well, you know, I think if you look at Phil Mickelson, just as a person and as a player – First, as a player, um, you know, he's been playing uh, professional golf, I think, since he's been 21 as an amateur. Um, and, and so he has the experience. Uh, and now he I think he's in his mid 40s. I know he's in his mid 40s. He's in the Hall of Fame. And so everything everything for him is gravy. And so playing at this highest level is just gravy for him. But as a person, um, he he's a high risk taker. He loves the risk. He loves uh, the challenge, and I think what happens at the Ryder Cup, it increases his his risk-taking personality, and that's why he always, I think, plays really well in these situations because he has said, like the Masters, when he drives through um, to Augusta National through the drive, he feels a different sense. Um, he loves that feeling, and I think at the Ryder Cup, same thing. He loves the feeling of the challenge of us versus them, the risk, the high risk, and all that stuff just boosts his intensity level where he needs to be. Where other tournaments that aren't so meaningful, he can't get at that level. And so that's why he never plays his best. Wow. So just to quantify that, the bigger the game, the bigger the game Phil Mickelson brings. Exactly. The same thing um, with, with a lot of these players. You know, they, they play pretty well in the regular tour tournaments, but in the majors – they raise their game because their intensity level is that much higher. You know, that's the difference between Tiger Woods and, and the rest of uh, us normal people. When Tiger was playing his best, he could raise his game for everything. Like every shot mattered to him. It's like Rafael Nadal. He plays every shot like it's, it's, the, it's the most important point in the world to him. Same thing with Tiger. When Tiger was playing his best, every shot was the most important shot in the world. His intensity level was high no matter if it was a meaningful tournament or a major. And that's why he played so well. Where I think the other guys, they can't they can't get to that level every tournament. Amazing. That is real. That's it is. good stuff. 
Greg Steenberg, thank you so much for your time and uh, opening up the brain and mind of a Ryder Cup golfer. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank Take you care. very much indeed. And that's our show. So Absolutely. The Ryder Cup, end of September, yeah. it is three of the most intense days. Yeah. You, you, you go and play as... as, as Dr. Steinberg was saying that it's not about you and your whole career has been about you. Right. You play the course, you're the person that puts the ball in the hole. This then becomes you part of a mechanism, you part of a bigger unit. Mm -hmm. And that brings its pride, its passion, and it is something to behold. So if you haven't watched the Ryder Cup before, please tune in and watch it. It's going to be awesome no matter which team wins. No, no, it's going to be awesome when the US wins. As I said, no matter which team wins, as long as it's the Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it from us, from Chuck and myself. This has been Playing With Science. We look forward to your company next time. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.